You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 811 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Thursday evening into Friday, and we will have some basketball talk, some on-court stuff to discuss with a crossover mock draft in a few minutes. Before we get to that, though, I wanted to touch on what's transpired in and around the NBA and the sports world over the last couple of days. Of course, uh, by now you would know that the shooting of Jacob Blake occurred on Sunday in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and then there was the disturbing video that made the rounds uh, on the internet after that. Um, With that as the backdrop, all three games, scheduled in the NBA playoffs did not happen on Wednesday, beginning with the Bucks deciding not to play, uh, not to come out of the locker room and play on Wednesday afternoon against the Magic, and it filtered down from there. Um, even before that, there was some buzz that the Raptors and Celtics in their Game 1 could be uh, take, uh, choosing not to play on Thursday, but that, that ended up happening uh, a little bit earlier than expected. But uh, basically all playoff series in the NBA were on hold. Um, there was a brief moment on Wednesday night when it felt like they might not even be playing at all. Um, that has since changed, and we'll touch on that in a second. But um, not just the NBA either, getting, in, getting into the mix here. The WNBA, the MLS, uh, Major League Baseball, uh, even hockey now apparently is going to be getting into this as well with, with games being postponed. Also, uh, you know, baseball, the Brewers were the first team uh, also in Milwaukee to decide not to play and multiple games uh, in that sport as well have been postponed, including tonight, um, earlier on Thursday with the Mets and the Marlins uh, basically staging a walk off after a 42 second period of silence and then leaving a Black, Black Lives Matter t-shirt at home plate in their game. Um, the Bucks released a statement that you've probably seen at this point in time after they came out of the locker room after a couple hours um, following their decision not to play um, that I recommend watching that for sure. Also, they were in conversation with the government officials back in Milwaukee, and the Bucks, of, of course, are the team located closest to Kenosha, so they were personally touched by this even, even more than everybody else potentially was around the NBA world. Um, I know the I know the word boycott has been used. Uh, that's not really what this was. Uh, it, it was pretty much a strike by the players. Uh, boycott's not really the—I understand why it's being used, but not really the word I would go with. This is the players' decision, and the games were postponed, but only after what they chose to do and, what they, and the stand they chose to take, so keep that in mind as well. There was all kinds of coverage about the players' meeting on Wednesday night that transpired. Uh, that included co- coaches for a while, then reported didn't have coaches in it for a while. There was some sort of vote about the intentions to play. The Clippers and the Lakers were reportedly uh, not keen on continuing playing on as of Wednesday night. But then by Thursday morning, they had another meeting along with the Board of Governors at the same time. And different those de- different meetings, they had sort of a crossover event uh, later in the evening. But uh, the ultimate decision was to, made to continue playing. At this point, as I'm recording this on Thursday evening, I do not know when they're going to start playing again. It was reported, and also there was an NBA statement that I tweeted out earlier in the day that they're going to aim to play either Friday or Saturday to start things off. None of that is really important at this moment in time, but just keep that in mind as well. They're going to be playing again pretty soon. The NBA referees held a walk on Thursday morning at Disney as a peaceful protest against the killing of unarmed black men and women at, at the hands of police. That was their wording on that um, on that decision to hold that peaceful protest. And uh, yeah, the, the season's going to happen again. But just wanted to shed light on what happened. You know, first and foremost, I support the decision not to play if they choose if they chose to make that, and they did for a period of days. And then I also support them playing if they felt like that was the best way to make a difference and spur change. I can't put myself in the shoes of uh, of a black athlete or a black person anyway. I'm a white male, and there's privilege with that, as I've acknowledged in the past. Um, I definitely support, though, the players making whatever decision they, that, that they feel is best to have their voices magnified to get the word out and uh, search for racial equality and uh, end police brutality, etc. 
Um, it's been impressive, honestly, to see players and other individuals connected with the NBA using their platform in recent months. That, of course, extends to the Hawks as well. This is a Hawks podcast at the end of the day. And, you know, Lloyd Pierce, Trey Young, many others, Steve Coonan, have been uh, really good about sharing their voice and getting stuff done. The Hawks doing their polling location at State Farm Arena, um, all kinds of things happening. Um, and the Hawks, of course, are not playing right now. They're not doing regular media availability. So they're not like, it's not easy to talk to players and, and coaches right now. But Lloyd Pierce did speak to, uh, to the AJC with Sarah Spencer. On Wednesday evening, and uh, as a reminder, Pierce is also the head of the Coaches Association Committee on Racial Justice, and he's been very, very prominently involved, and he's a great ambassador for the game, as well as just uh, someone who is very, very, very smart about these kind of things and uh, a thoughtful person in general. I I recommend reading the entire piece from Sarah, and I won't read the entire thing to you here, but I wanted to read an excerpt from Pierce, a couple of quotes that I thought were uh, poignant because this is a Hawks podcast, and he was the only person that I've seen other than on social media speak out publicly um, so far about the Hawks in the last couple of days. Uh, Pierce said the following, Orlando has has become a fascinating situation. We've never seen anything like this in our lives. We've never seen a professional sports league have to take their entire league or basically their entire league to resume the season in one place and just hunker in. Kudos to the NBA for what they've been able to accomplish, but the unintended consequences during a time of social unrest and during a pandemic and really a separation of family, there are unintended consequences that come with that. And we're just witnessing what our players and our coaches and our league, we're witnessing that they're human. We're all human. We feel and we have emotions that are being expressed, and the protests are as as a representation of that. There's a lot going on mentally and emotionally, being apart from your family, being separated, dealing with social unrest, dealing with the pandemic all at once. And the only way to really address it with power and with solidarity is just to put a halt to the games and have a real conversation that a lot of people have avoided. End quote. Again, read that whole thing from Sarah Spencer. A good job by her and, and some good comments from Lloyd Pierce. And if you want to read the perspective of Lloyd. Obviously, the Hawks are not directly connected to what's been happening in the bubble in the last 36 hours. And I'm, I'm aware of that and uh, you know, not a, not a whole lot else that I'm going to add to the conversation right now. But there's uh, obviously tons of great reporting going on, tons of uh, moving moving powerful statements from teams and players. And uh, that's all been around, I'm sure. I've, I've, re- I've, I've done my best to sort of retweet as much as I possibly can the last couple of days. But players uh, on the Hawks are members of the MBPA, so they're definitely still in the mix here. And this all impacts everyone around the league long term. So I want to open, open the show by discussing it. Um, that'll be it for that segment. Candidly, I would I would get it if you're not in the mood to listen to a quote-unquote regular basketball podcast episode. Right now, if that's the case, thanks for listening. No hard feelings at all if you sign off, but if you want to stick around, listen to a mock draft crossover discussion between myself and the hosts of the Locked On Cavs and Locked On Bulls podcast. Stay tuned, that is coming your way momentarily. Uh, as a programming note, I'm not exactly sure when the next podcast will be up. It could be uh, in the next couple of days, or it could be not until Monday, but there'll be something at the very, very least in your feed for Monday morning to keep us uh, on, on a regular schedule. So, um, Please subscribe to the podcast, all that fun stuff. Thanks as always for listening. And here is that crossover discussion with Chris Manning, Matt Peck, and myself. So hopefully you enjoy it. Hey, I'm Chris Manning here from Lockdown Cavs, joined by Matt Peck from Lockdown Bulls. What's going on? And Brad Rowland from Lockdown Hawks. Hello, everyone. Well, just so people know, we're recording this. Um, we're going to talk about the 2020 NBA draft. There's obviously other things going on in the NBA right now, but we're going to cover this because you cover a basketball team that is not in the bubble. Or you listen, you like a basketball team if you're listening to one of our respective podcasts that is not in the bubble. Uh, so we're going to talk about the draft. There's obviously, again, more things that are bigger than basketball. Some we're, Every show in the network is going to start covering that in their own way. But uh, we have kind of chugging along here a little bit. Um, we're doing a mock draft. We're back. We have the draft order set. This is the first network-wide mock post the draft lottery. Uh, as you know by now, uh, these are the teams picking four, five, and six. And Matt, why don't you tell everyone who the, you had the Bulls taking this mock at number four? So at number four, uh, my co-host Jordan Malley and I 
selected the Israel product, uh, Denny of Dia. Um, Jordan and I actually had a, a differing of opinions on this. Um, but I think that the general consensus among the Bulls fan base right now is that they're very high on this kid, Denny. And I, uh, I have watched a fair amount of his tape, and I like a lot of elements of his game. But I don't think that he is the next you know, Euro superstar that a lot of people want to believe he is. And maybe that's just because this is kind of, by consensus, a fairly weak draft class and people are reaching for things and, and wanting to see more than what's actually there. Um, you know, there's a lot of his offensive game that I like. He moves well for a guy his size uh, on and off the ball. He finishes strong at the rim. Uh, he's a very gifted passer for, for a dude who plays, you know, primarily front court. Um, I would have been interested in taking Killian Hayes had he been available. Um, but Charlotte scooped him up at number three. So I was disappointed to not have that option on the floor. And then the other name that we were discussing was the wing from Auburn, Isaac Okoro. Um, Jordan felt like taking him at four was a bit of a reach. I, right now, am leaning a little bit towards what I see for Okoro's NBA future than the ceiling for Denny of Dia. Uh, but for, I think, the general consensus of wanting to be able to discuss with our listeners and Bulls fans everywhere about Denny, who's a very interesting and exciting name in this draft, that's who we ended up going with. Brad, what do you make of, of what the, the Bulls did here at four? Yeah, I think it's um, kind of what I expect in some ways. You know, there's not a, a huge consensus in this draft overall, which is important to point out, especially once you get beyond maybe the top pick or two. Um, I think Avdi would be high on my board if I was the Bulls. I'm not saying that you have to take him, uh, just kind of like it was just laid out. You know, it's not a situation where he stands out above the rest to me, but he does um, have some interesting talent on both both ends of the floor, honestly. I think he's a pretty interesting two-way prospect. I am also skeptical of his upside to some degree. Um, that'd be my one knock on him is that I'm not sure what he does exceptionally well. He kind of does everything pretty well, which is fine. I think he was going to be a good NBA player. Um, and, and I guess a number four overall, that doesn't always sound like terribly sexy, but at the same time, he is a good prospect. This is an appropriate pick, in my opinion, and he does kind of give the Bulls an element that they don't really have all that much of at the moment. So uh, he has some helium as well with regard to the actual, you know, intel side of this whole thing, where he seems to be rising in this in this process. And I think Denny, uh, not like my favorite prospect in the entire draft, but certainly a guy who can be uh, chosen here with uh, definitely uh, sort of a reasonable take. I, I like this pick a lot for Chicago just because I'm a fan of Denny. I like just like this draft, the more I've done research into it, there's a lot of guys that scare me. Like Anthony Edwards scares me a little bit. Um, Poku scares me and he's, he goes eight in this, uh, in this mock, which is, which is wild. I know some draft folks love him, but he scares me. Like even LaMelo, like there's reasons I think to be a little bit concerned. Yeah. James Wiseman as well. Uh, you know, yeah. passing on him at number four. Uh, in in a, one of our previous mocks, Jordan and I scooped up Wiseman, and I think like the seventh or eighth pick, because we thought, all right, well, at this point, he's fallen this far. Might as well uh, see if we can get some bang for our buck here with a guy that you know many projected to be a top three pick. But here we were in in another iteration of of a mock at, at number four, and he was on the board. We decided to go in a different direction because honestly, he scares me too. <laughs> yeah, but and I think just for Chicago, like. You know, Otto Porter's future is obviously not a guarantee. Um, he is, I think, the player option for last year was contract. 
Um, yeah. You just kind of, I just kind of half million. I bet he'll be yeah, picking that um, up. Him and him and Andre Drummond should like get an island of like player options. They're hundred percent picking up because in the considering there's a pandemic and no one knows what the cap is going to be like. They hundred percent should just take that money and and be miserable, even if it means being miserable for a year. Right. I would be I would be miserable for like three for a year for like three million dollars, frankly. Um, but I, I like that pick. You know, I guess, you know, we'll see kind of what the new regime um, kind of wants. I guess, like, the coaching search could theoretically have some impact on this because Jim Boylan is, is out. Um, I, I guess I, I assume you're happy about that as you think about this, too, because you are you have, obviously, Levine, who, um, you know, a little bit out of the beholder player just for some, but you have Kobe White, you have Wendell Carter, you have Marketing. I like both. I like Carter and Marketing both a lot. Um, you know, you have Thomas Saransky, who I like. Like, you don't have, like, it's not like Chicago has nothing there. I mean, this is a team that last year I think some thought could make a run at the playoffs. I mean, I, I feel like depending on what they do here and what they get a coach, I think Denny just makes a lot of sense just considering he's a position of need. Right. Does a lot of stuff well and could succeed out of order. And, and I think, you know, whether or not it's can this kid be the next answer at the wing, which is becoming more and more the important position in the more and more – positionless basketball that we see in the NBA these days. Um, we, we've heard from our new head basketball executive, Arturis Karnaschovas, for, formerly of the Denver Nuggets, that at, at number four, um, you know, regardless of whether or not people think it's a weak class, a strong draft class, at number four, it's definitely a spot to not draft for need, but to draft the best available talent. So, like, I'm putting my faith in the fact that AK has a – tremendous resume of scouting international talent in the world of basketball he played international basketball and before uh you know becoming a very successful executive in the nba he did a lot of work with young basketball talent all over the globe so whereas like our former gar foreman general manager thank god he's been ousted a couple of years ago was scouting Luca and apparently according to several reports was not impressed. Bulls fans can rest easy knowing if AK does truly believe that say, you know, Denny is on the board at four and the bulls are on the clock and he sees Denny as the best overall available talent, then he will take him and bulls fans should feel confident knowing that if anybody is tasked to make that decision about an international prospect. AK is definitely the right man to do that job. Was there? You mentioned Okoro um, as we kind of wrap up with this Bulls pick. Who else did you? And you mentioned Wiseman, who took in another mock. But is there anyone else you really strongly considered before going with Denny? Um, not strong consideration. Obviously, you know, if Lamelo were there, if he had somehow fallen to four, we would have had strong conversations about that and probably would have selected him. Um, I don't think we would have gone with Edwards if he were available. Uh, Jordan and I both have reservations and doubts about how he's going to translate to the NBA. Um, primarily for us, it was a conversation of, well, do we just do the boring thing and take Wiseman again uh, in another mock draft because he's here at four? Do we go with Denny, the exciting international prospect, or the other name we, we were going for was Okoro, which... Uh, you know, may may be a bit of a reach uh, at, at number four overall in this draft class um, because he, he certainly doesn't seem as exciting uh, of a prospect, but that's just because people tend to get more excited about international prospects now. I feel like we've done this crazy 180 uh, as, as basketball fans and, and NBA fans who, who look at the draft this time of year. Well, not normally this time of year, but 
when it used to be, oh, let's let's trash that Euro player. He's just a Euro player, and Euro players can't translate. Now it's like the opposite effect has happened, where whatever exciting name or names are coming from international scouting seem to get a lot more attention and buzz uh, around their names come draft time. And, and Okoro is just like a primarily defensive strength player um, playing for you know an Auburn team that was okay. They were they were not fantastic. They were not terrible. And he, he wasn't even really like the best player on that team, you could argue. But I just liked what I saw from him as far as his capability to come to the NBA right away and be a one through four player on the defensive end and hope that he could develop offensively in a way that, you know, he, he can expand his shooting range a little bit. He didn't have a whole lot of an outside shot in college. And whereas he was at least a decent free throw shooter, that was the thing that worried me about Denny. Like, not only did Denny have terrible three-point shooting, and yeah, he improved upon it um, in his most recent season, but he, he's like a 60% free-throw shooter. And that, to me, is always a good indicator of can, can the guy actually extend his range if he's got a decent free-throw sh- percentage and he just needs to work on the range, or is there something wrong with his shot? That is something I worry about a little bit with Denny. Um, but I think I, I, I succumbed to Jordan's reasoning that it was like, look, Clearly, one of these names is more exciting than the other uh, when it comes to this fairly weak draft class. So, so let's take Denny so, so that we can see maybe if this kid actually has potential to be special. Brad, any final thoughts here? No, I think it's a, a very solid pick. Like I said, I, I, one, if, the break, if the draft broke a different way, I might have stronger opinions. But there's this whole like tier just to look ahead a little, a little bit to what our picks are going to be. Kristen uh, from a Kristen myself but there's this like whole middle tier that I think are these guys are kind of similar they're all different players but they're kind of similar overall value so my blazing take is that there's nothing that you could do that's too controversial in this range yeah I I think that's right all right we're gonna take a quick break here come back and talk about my pick at number five with the Cleveland Cavaliers right back after this One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can use for other important things like paying the mortgage or putting food on the table. With that said, why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Instead, you have access to rockauto.com. At home or in your pocket, it's a much better option. Whether it's for your daily commuting car or a joyride on the weekends, rockauto.com has everything you need. Just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Chain stores have different price tiers for pro mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are the same for everybody, and they are always the lowest prices possible. The rockauto.com catalog is also very easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login of any kind. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always low and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers so why spend up to twice as much for the same exact parts go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or your truck and from there you want to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you to them amazing selection reliable low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com all right we're back here in lockdown Cavs with locked on hawks and locked on bulls Guys, I'm going to just tell you this now, the listeners now. Um, at number five, assuming like in future mocks, someone doesn't take this guy ahead, just considering I know the Cavs really like him and I really like his potential fit with the Cavs, Isaac Okoro is my guy at number five. Um, Evan and I agree. We When we were going through the talking through the options, like I was like Okoro, and he's like, yeah. And I really like Vassell. 
I really like Onyeka Kungu, um, but the Drummond situation and how I know the Cavs don't even have the Cavs have him below Wiseman um, on their personal board, as far as I understand. So that kind of may, like just being a realistic means I'm probably not going to take him there. Um, I'm not an Obi Topin person, um, and I know some people have mocked him to the Cavs. I don't really like that fit, frankly. So I go Okoro, um, the defensive upside, and the Cavs really believe they can fix his shot. What do you guys, um, either either Brad or Matt, whoever wants to go first, what do you guys think of me going Okoro at five? Well, yeah, I mean, before I quickly toss it to Brad, I will just uh, say that clearly based on what we were just talking about with our Bulls debate, I'm jealous that you ended up with Okoro at five. I think that's great (laughs) value. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's probably the case for myself as well. You know, the Hawks have been – linked to him a little bit and I think he would certainly have been uh maybe not number one on my board but uh, at, at this range but certainly up there so uh that, that makes that makes my own decision a little bit easier so I'm also a little bit jealous I suppose but I'm a big fan of, of Okoro as well and he is famously a local Atlanta product so uh, I'm sure Hawks fans would also be jealous yeah immediately once the Cavs got the fifth pick there was a slew of people like tweeting out a picture of um Colin Sexton who's also from Atlanta uh, went to the same high school as Lil Yachty. Fun fact, I asked Colin Sexton about that once, and he looked at me like, why are you asking me about the, the fact that I went to high school with Lil Yachty? Um, and I was like, I don't know, because it was like, you're not answering my other questions, and you're giving boring answers, and I want to see if I can get anything out of this. Um, but fun fact, Colin Sexton, same high school as Lil Yachty. But um, they, they are, they're both Atlanta products. Not that that matters a ton for Cleveland. But I, I think if you're just looking at the Cavs, and I kind of just want to know what you guys both think of where they're at, but like, we're doing this big series at Fear the Sword and um, on the podcast, kind of talking about team needs. Wing defense, just with how um, the NBA plays now and how much it matters. Like, obviously, I think offense ultimately is winning out a lot right now, but I think that the game is so decided on the perimeter. The Cavs, by my estimation, have like two and a half good wing defenders right now. Um, Larry Nance Jr. is the best one. And then Alfonso McKinney, who's like a fringe NBA player, is probably number two. And then Jetty Osmond's like half of one. Kevin Porter Jr. could get there. Um, they threw him on Harden and stuff last year. Like They, they believe in the upside there. Um, Okoro just fills such a clear need. And I also just have a soft spot for jacked wings. Like I love Grant Williams partially because that guy looks like he also could be playing like a linebacker in the NFL and just like looks like he can handle the bigger, stronger wings we have in the league. And that to me is like a real upset of Okoro is that that guy is really strong and he's not going to, he's going to be able to handle some of the bruising players that are in the NBA. And I think strength is kind of, um, sometimes it isn't a tool a lot of guys have for whatever reason, but Okoro clearly kind of has it in the way he plays and just his profile. And the only other guy we really, I think, could, you could argue for me that that would fit this need for the Cavs is Vassell. Um, who I'm sure we might talk about later, but I just think you look at this team and, and where they're at. I don't think this like solves their perimeter defensive issue, but I think this is a way to actually address it in a meaningful way. Yeah, and I think he's he's a good piece to have while you're in a situation that the, that the Cavs are in, which is like you're still kind of you know sifting through the wreckage of, of LeBron finally winning you guys a title and then leaving again, and you still have this weird Kevin Love holdover Clearly, you know, I'm sure he and the team are going to search for some kind of, uh, you know, solution to that situation. And you're figuring out, are we building around Sexton or Garland or both? Like, Okoro's a guy you can just draft now and have as, like, a really good piece to build, not around, but build with. And maybe he can be a guy who develops his offensive game to the part where he can maybe be your second or your third scorer as his offensive game develops, kind of the same way that Jimmy Butler did behind Derrick Rose in Chicago. 
when he was clearly drafted and known from his years at Marquette as a defense first player. I can see certain you know similarities in in his strengths on on the defensive end and what Okoro does. Maybe Okoro can put that work into his offensive game like Jimmy did and, and really you know uh, round himself out into a, a two way player like that. Um, but the other thing you know you mentioned his strength. The other thing I really like about Okoro is along with that strength he has length like he's he's a legit six foot six and he's got like a six nine maybe a little over six nine wingspan that's going to allow him with that strength to be able to guard you know even even some of the tougher guards at uh you know at uh or being asked to guards i should say at the four spot in the nba yeah, I think uh, Okoro is underrated offensively. Everyone mentions, and rightly so, his defense. That's why you're getting him, especially as the Cavs. Uh, with sort of a desperate situation, you're to find some defensive help on that roster. But I do kind of buy Okoro's offense. Obviously, the jump shot's a question, but he has some real creation ability. He really attacks the rim. He's a really good athlete. Uh, gets to the free throw line, etc. Really feels the game well, um, in addition to all that, and passes. So, yeah, I, he's a really well-rounded player. I like him quite a bit. There probably is a little bit of a ceiling on him without 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 a jump shot, um, but I think I actually believe that, he, that they can probably fix it to some degree as well. He's a really hard worker by all accounts, and uh, I like him quite a bit, and he can help to, at least help to try to cover up for the perimeter defense issues that Chris referenced because, uh, as we all know, it's pretty bad. You're, you're saying like hard worker from Atlanta has a gym shot that's probably fixable is like Colin Sexton but six six. <laughs> uh, ex- except I'll say this, except for the fact that Okora was actually a good defensive prospect, <laughs> and Sexton and Sexton just looked like he was in a lot of ways. I'm not trying to take shots at Colin, who actually I think is still pretty pretty interesting as a player. But yeah. Okoro is actually a defensive prospect, whereas Colin had like the tape of him like slapping the floor and playing kind of hard, and he was actually not a great defensive he, prospect. He. Isaac Okoro should take on Sexton into the weight room. That's that's my take here. Just like I my my pet theory that I'm I am half serious about is that like uh, a college football strength coach from like Tennessee or something should like cash out of college football and just like help NBA players get much bigger. Like I'm not even kidding because I you guys know this like some of them are just pretty thin. Like and obviously there are mechanics in your shot and stuff that would change, but like. I think we got to use a little, a little lifting just to get bigger a little bit for some of these guys. Like, Jetty Osmond, for instance, is, like, real thin, and then you see him have to guard Giannis for five minutes, and he's getting, like, like blown back, like, four feet. You know, it's, like, it's a real thing. The strength thing is, like, a real, real thing. Um, can I interest either of you in Andre Drummond as we kind of wrap up the second segment? Can I do anything to trade Andre Drummond to your team? Ooh, no. what, what, what's his contract situation? Like, 28, something like that. It's uh, We yeah. could do Otto Porter for Andre Drummond That's if you want. That's what I thought. I mean, even uh, speaking as a Bulls fan who has seen Andre Drummond absolutely abuse the Bulls for most of his career, I swear every time the Bulls play Drummond, he has a 20-20 and 20 game. Um, that being said, no, I'll, I'll, I'll still say thank you kindly, but I'll take a pass. Yeah, um, that trade has not aged well, and I think the, the Hawks and Bradskates got better off with Capella instead of Drummond. Yeah, I was never on the Drummond bandwagon, as we discussed back in the day. And, well, yeah, uh, do you remember well, like there was the Woj thing where it was like he's friends with Trey Young? Oh yeah, it was it was very out there. And honestly, I think it actually was real for a few days. Um, there were some discussions happening there, but yeah, I was never a fan of that move for the Hawks. And once the Capella thing uh, happened, it slammed the door on it, which I actually thought was a good idea for Atlanta. Yeah, hundred um, percent right. But yeah, Cavs go Isaac Okoro at five. I think again, I think odds on this is the favorite prospect for the Cavs at the spot. All right, we're going to take one more break here. Come back. Brad's on the clock with the Hawks at number six right after this. 
Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I've told you in the past how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and a personal favorite of mine in the cookies and cream flavor. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and importantly, they are all soft and easy to chew. And from there, it is absolutely crucial to note that Built Bars are fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious, and you can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Built Bar is even great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON. When you do that, you'll get $10 off your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order check it out at builtbar.com all right brad you have the number six pick to recap um just and just so i actually realized i never went the full order here so minnesota in this mock went one lamella ball the warriors went two anthony edwards three charlotte went killian hayes four matt with lockdown bulls went with denny avija i went isaac okoro at five for the cleveland cavaliers brad at number six who did you take who else did you consider yeah, I guess I uh, will just get it out of the way and say that I took Devin Vassell of Florida State. Um, it was a fairly easy decision for me, and I say that even as the person earlier on the podcast that said every basically said that all these guys are pretty similar, and I, and I stand by that. I think this uh, this whole like tier essentially is pretty flat, but uh, I think the three guys that I think are the most likely Hawks guys if they were to be available, and one of them, if not two of them, will not be. I'm sure are these three guys actually: Denny Okoro. And Vassell, um, I think, again, the Hawks won't have their pick of those three, but I think, obviously, they're pretty safely going to have one of them, I think, unless something crazy happens ahead of them. Even in this mock, in which Hayes goes third, and I think that, I'm not sure how realistic that is necessarily, there was still one of these guys available for Atlanta. Um, Vassell, I, we'll come back to in a second, but I also considered Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, he's a guy who has been mocked to the Hawks quite a bit and is pretty interesting in Atlanta in some ways. Um, and I think you always have to think about the big guys, be it a Kong Wu, be it Wiseman, uh, or even Obi Toppin, I don't love the fit of any of them in Atlanta. I do like a Kong Wu the best of that group, in, in sort of in a vacuum, but the Hawks have already really invested in their front court with, with the Capella trade, as, and they also have John Collins, etc. So uh, as sort of a tiebreaker, those guys are all in basically the same tier as Vassell for me, and the Hawks just have a more glaring you know, need for more because basically every team in the league needs someone that Vassell can be. It doesn't mean he's definitely going to be this, but essentially he is the archetype three and D prospect. And every team in the league needs more wings that can play defense on and off ball and shoot threes and maybe even have a little bit of creation upside as well. So uh, Vassell is not the sexiest prospect in the world. I think he is clearly um, not like on a star level path. But given this draft, given what is actually available, given what the Hawks already have with Trey Young, John Collins, etc., they can afford to take a little bit of a lower upside swing and try to improve their floor. And like I said, you just can't have too many six, 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 seven wings that can play defense and shoot. And that's what Devin Vassell is. Yeah, I, I really this? like this pick for you guys. Um, really impressed by his consistency at Florida State. You know, his second year, he made a big jump going from being like maybe 10 minutes off the bench as a freshman to starting all 30 games for them this season uh, and, and averaging almost 29 minutes a game. Like, that's huge. You know, 30 games, 30 starts, 29 minutes a game. That shows consistency. And to, to be nearly a 50% shooter from the floor and for, I believe 41, 41.5% from behind the three point line, um, as, as you said, Brad, coupling that ability 
with some help on the defensive end, is a perfect piece to put alongside Trey Young for this this young Atlanta team right now. Brad, when you think about adding Vassell, you would get to a point where you have Trey, who obviously is the, the lead guy of what's going on down there. You have John Collins. You have Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter. There's a, a Clint Capella. You're, you've, Travis Link has assembled like a pretty interesting group of talent. You add Vassellen, who is a really good team defender, you know, kind of a guy that I, it seems like he's going later in a lot of mocks we're seeing, but like every mock that I've seen done by like people like us has him going higher because everyone's like, this guy's good. Why are we overthinking this? But when you consider adding him into what Atlanta already has, does he seem like someone that's going to help them take that leap immediately? Is he a guy that's going to matter more in a year or two? Like how, what do you think the, the immediate to short-term impact is of Vassell on Atlanta? In general, I think that almost no rookie is set up to really help a team win in year one. Uh, obviously, there are exceptions to that. Um, even within this class, there are guys who are more who are more set up to do that than others. I think a Kongwu is going to be pretty NBA ready. Um, but Vassell, if you were sort of going on that scale, is probably more apt to help a team right now than a lot of other guys, just because he could probably be a, in a smaller role, maybe be a third wing, fourth wing type that can come in play 20 minutes a night and not kill you anywhere. And that's a that's kind of a nice thing to see for a rookie. Um, that's not why you're picking him. Ultimately, you're hoping that two or three years from now, he can be maybe your starting small forward or something like that, or maybe even at least a rotational wing for you. But in general, I just think that the Hawks don't have a glaring need in the way that some of the, some other teams do in, in the lottery, which we've we discussed in the past. The Hawks have a bunch of young guys, and you know they kind of just need vets, but at the same time, they have this interesting draft pick, um, and they have... They don't, have, they don't have a guy who's exactly like Devin Vassell. Like, obviously, Cam Reddish is, plays the same position. They're pretty similar in the way that, uh, in, ter- in terms of size, but Reddish is a little bit different player. Same with DeAndre Hunter. He's more of a hybrid 3-4. Uh, Vassell is just more of that actual archetype 3 and D guy. And, yeah, it's not a huge upside swing. So I guess if you were trying to describe it, maybe it's more of a plug-and-play than it actually is like a development project. But all rookies are development projects to some degree. And I think uh, the, the ultimate... You know, hope for him would be that he he either becomes your starting small forward or he becomes a third wing that you really trust in the playoffs. And if you're building a team around Troy Young, you could, you just got to have a bunch of options that you can play next to him, especially defensively, that make things work. And Vassell is someone I trust to be able to do that. I would have taken a Coro to be honest with you, if he was yeah. available. Um, but that's not even like a huge standout thing for me. I think Okoro and Vassell are very different prospects. I do like Okoro just a touch more, but even then, you know, Vassell, you mentioned before that he might fall he might he might fall beyond this and I can definitely see that. In fact, if he doesn't go to Atlanta, he might fall two or three four more spots. But I think this is a perfectly appropriate value just because of what he is and what he can be. Were you at on DeAndre Hunter after his rookie year? Pretty much the same. Uh, I think defensively he was a little bit worse than I thought, and offensively a little bit better than I thought as a rookie. Um, I still believe in the defense, uh, at least on the ball. But yeah, you know, I thought that trade was a bit of an overpay, if maybe more than a bit of an overpay. But I always liked DeAndre Hunter, so I understood what they were trying to do. I think people are probably getting a little bit too low on him now. There was this uh, predictable thing that I actually kind of called beforehand, and that you know the Hawks use all these assets to go up and get him. And if he wasn't really good right away, people are going to say that he's now bad, which is what happens. Like it's also happening to Jarrett Culver in Minnesota, guys who were expected to be you know quote unquote NBA ready because they're a little bit older. And like I said before, most rookies are not good. Um, so I feel the same kind of 
way about Hunter than I did before. I like him a lot. He's not going to be a star, but I think he's going to be a long-term helpful piece. And he's um, a guy who could also play the four. That's the thing about Atlanta's pieces right now. They have Kevin Herter, who's more of a pure shooting guard. You have Reddish, who's more of a 2-3. And you have Hunter, who's more of a 3-4. So they kind of all fit together, which is kind of nice. Even if if it might have been intentional, I'm not sure. But I still believe in Hunter in general. Even if he's not going to be a star, because he's never he was never going to be a star. That's the kind of secret about that. Because you don't want to trade up for non-stars, but the Hawks did it, and I think I still believe in them. Matt, I'm going to ask you this as we kind of get towards the end here. Which one of these teams, based on this draft or just in general next year, do you feel like is most likely not to be picking the lottery next time around? Uh, between the three of us, Chicago, yes. Cleveland, and Atlanta. Yes. Um, man, I would love to say Chicago. I really would. There's so much positivity um, around this organization right now with, you know, finally the Reinsdorf's waking up and, and realizing that, that Gar, Foreman, and John Pax were getting it done, bringing in a, a well-respected uh, and, and a pristine resume guy like Karnaschovas um, and, and rounding out his front office, finally ousting Jim Boylan after months of Bulls fans panicking that they were going to bring him back. And then even... Uh, a little bit of lottery luck. You know, Bulls fans, I think, even despite the, the positive uh, momentum, we're thinking, hey, you know, well, um, we're really excited to pick number seven again for the fourth year in a row. <laughs> but look look at this. There's positivity. I still just don't see these pieces based on the evidence we've had over the last couple of years turning into a playoff team next year. Um, if, if pressed to pick between Cleveland or Atlanta, I would certainly lean towards Atlanta just because of the budding superstar and Trey Young and some of the other quality young pieces that they've assembled. Um, no knock on, on Garland or Sexton or, or whatever the, the Cavs. The are not going to be good next year. I'm just, I, will, I will say that for the record. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not, even as a Bulls fan who had, you know, grew up laughing at Cleveland because MJ beat them in the playoffs all the time to transitioning to a Bulls fan who hated Cleveland because they beat us in the playoffs all the time. Uh, you know, I – I got nothing, for, nothing but love for the city of Cleveland, and I want them to be uh, you know, a competitive team again. I don't see it. Uh, I want to believe in the Bulls making a big you know, uh, 180 next year and getting competitive, but I'm going to hold my breath on that. And uh, I, I, I think that Atlanta could certainly make uh, you know, a sizable jump next season. Brad, where are you at on this? Yeah, I do think it's between Atlanta and Chicago, with all due respect to Chris and all Cavs Nation. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not someone who's gonna like. Uh, there's this notion that the Hawks are like the clear, obvious team to make the jump into the playoffs in the East. I can. I can kind of see that they have the best player of these three teams, at least in terms of long-term prospects and current ability off- offensively and Trey Young and all that stuff. I don't know. Cristiano Felicio hard. begs to differ, my my good friend. Yeah, it's true. Uh, he's well. He's. He, I think he might be. I think he actually is making more money than Troy Young is at the moment. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think that I would pick Atlanta. I kind of believe in Chicago more than most people do. I feel like. Um, but at the same time, if Travis Schlenk, this is a big if. If Travis Schlenk builds this roster in an attempt to win more this next year, it's going to be Atlanta. Um, but last year they didn't do that at all. So the, the jury's kind of out on whether the Hawks will be able to or be willing to surround their young guys with some actual competent veterans. They already did with Click Capella. That was a huge addition, of course. But the, the real problem with Atlanta sneakily this last year was that their bench and their veterans were just absolutely awful throughout the season. Like the young guys got all the attention, um, but the, they had nothing else. And that's kind of the big thing. The, the young guys are going are to definitely improve. Trey Young's already really good, so is John Collins. But uh, 
that's the only barrier that they have to being an actual threat to make the run at the eight seed or something like that next year is the uh, supporting cast. But yeah, I think it's probably Atlanta if you make me choose one team out of these three. I think it's Atlanta too. I think the Chicago head coaching hire would could could talk me to that because I again I like Wendell Carter. I like uh, I like Lori Markinen. I don't even like hate Zach Levine. You know. Um, I got, and Otto Porter is like a solid NBA player. There's like a lot of solid, like decent NBA yeah. players. If in, Otto in could Chicago. stay on the floor, the the Bulls starting five might actually be fairly interesting. Yeah. Um, do you have a do Do you have a favorite head coach pick as we kind of get out of here? Um, I, I honestly, you know, th- there are a lot of names floating around. Kenny Atkinson, formerly of Brooklyn, he he has a tie to one of our current assistants, Chris Fleming, who, despite Jim Boylan's firing, is sticking around at least for now. So his name is certainly interesting. Um, I, I was definitely hoping that they would bring in uh, Ime Udoka for an interview, but it sounds like now he might be a prime candidate to replace the recently fired Brett Brown and stay in Philly. Um, other names that I hope the Bulls interview, Wes Unsell Jr., uh, Steven Silas, who I think has done a really good job backing up Rick Carlisle in Dallas. Um, basically, as long as the Bulls do a thorough coaching search and then come to a decision, I will be happy that they actually did a coaching search because this fan base was fed Fred Hoiberg and Jim Boylan back-to-back with no coaching searches whatsoever either time. So putting my faith in Arturis and the new front office to do their do-, do their jobs and do them well, I feel good about them and the names that we're hearing that they're going to bring in. Um, I would only add to that that there are a couple of names that I am very glad are not apparently on the Bulls list, according to all sources, those names being Ty Lue and Mark Jackson. Ty L- all right, that's it. Ty Lue's a good coach. I'm, we're logging off here. I can't do this. Ty Lue's a great coach. <laughs> I, and I, uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure all you wonderful people of Cleveland think Ty Lue is a great coach. I, no, I, I'm sorry. I, no. I, when, when, when Kevin Love, every time he gets a chance to talk about, um, about Ty, is like that guy knows how to coach in the playoffs and like can hold LeBron James accountable, I'm in. Um, certainly some limitations, but like th- those Cavs teams were so bizarre that I just like. Oh, so I, would... I mean, if if you were to tell me, and like I, this is clearly just a, a random fun hypothetical because I don't think the Bulls are interested in either guy. But if you were to tell me as a Bulls fan, your choices are Ty Lue or Mark Jackson. I'm picking Ty Lue a hundred times out of a hundred, and I'm throwing him a parade through the streets. If you of Chicago. if you picked Mark Jackson over uh, Ty, I would have deleted your audio from this podcast, uh, honestly. No. But it, it's crazy how many <laughs> NBA people out there, just like NBA fans on Twitter, being, "Why does Mark Jackson still not have a job?" Um, evidence, like, yeah, hello, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Um, it's it's wild, but Ty's a really good coach. I think he'd actually be perfect in my my personal favorite fit for him is New Orleans because I think him teaching Zion how to be an adult would be like a really really good honestly thing for Zion the Williams. one coach that I really want and really wish the Bulls could have is a guy who proved to do some pretty impressive things with a very young roster uh, recently, and that's Monty Williams. Like yeah. instead of extending Jim Boylan after his replacing Fred Hoiberg experiment <laughs> crashed and burned. The Bulls could have brought in Monty Williams, but no, no. We're really, really glad we stuck with Jim Boylan on that one. Fair enough. Uh, Brad, of course, has a very competent coach in Lloyd Pierce, which 
none of our well i'm a jb jb's fine but he is the best coach to through these but again to recap danny djet for chicago isaac okoro to number five to cleveland number six devin vassell to atlanta i'm sure we'll do this again perhaps we'll end up with the same exact pick again and we'll just talk shit about jim boylan for for 30 minutes or so but for myself for matt for brad this has been the locked on Cavs, locked on bulls locked on hawks draft crossover check out all the other lockdown shows um if you want to hear more about the mock and everything else going on in the in the league thanks for listening and we'll talk to y'all soon